Let's open our Bibles this morning, Luke chapter number 4, and we'll dive right in as we continue our study in the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter number 4, and we'll look at verses 14 through 30 uh, this morning, Luke chapter number 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number uh, 14. The Word of God says this, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. There went out fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, verse number 16, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when they had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister, and he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceed out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whosoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and went out great famine throughout all the land. But none of them was Elijah sent, save Sarepta, the city of Sidon, unto the woman that was a widow. Many lepers were in Israel at the time um, of his, uh, Elijah the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saying, Naaman the Syrian. And they in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were, fulfilled, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing by the midst of the way, and he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you, Lord, and we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, uh, Lord for the gathering of your people this morning. And Father, I do pray, God, that you would teach us from your word this morning. Lord, I pray that we would grow. Lord, I pray that you would help us like only you can. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just, Lord, help us to just see you high and lifted up this morning. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful music this morning. Lord, the worship of your people. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, as we, we look at this text, God, I pray, God, that you would just help, you would work, you would do what only you can do in our hearts and minds this morning. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Jesus had, uh, as we begin uh, the study and the, the, continue to study in the book of Luke this morning, we saw Jesus come on the scene after those years, those silent years, 18 of those years we know nothing about. Um, we found him uh, last week after his baptism. We saw him being tempted um, in the wilderness. And here in our text this morning, he begins his earthly ministry. He had just been baptized. He had just been tempted. And now he returns to the town um, in which he had grown up and begins his earthly ministry. And we're really going to see a, an overview of what his ministry was all about, what his uh, ministry uh, goals were. Maybe you could put it this way, what his mission statement was. 
And we're going to look at that this morning. Just, man, what, what is Jesus' ministry? What was his ministry on this earth all about? Let's dive into our text this morning. Look at verse number 14 this morning. Verse 14. Jesus returned in the, uh, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out fame of him throughout all the region round about him. He had just finished overcoming that temptation, and he's headed, uh, he, he's he heads back here to Galilee to begin this Galilean ministry, and his fame is beginning to spread. Um, he'd already seen some miracles happen in Capernaum as he's begin to heal his earthly ministry, proving his deity. His reputation's beginning to spread. Look at verse number 15. Notice what he does here. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified at all. He begins his ministry teaching in the synagogue. Now we understand a synagogue, basically the Jewish house of worship. He goes into the synagogue and he begins to teach. And man, they're all for him. They're all cheering him on. They're all glorifying him. At this point in his ministry, the beginning of it, there seems to be no opposition. Now look at verse number, uh, verse number 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, Sabbath day and he stands up to read. So he, he goes back to Nazareth, which was his boyhood town, that place where he literally grew up. And it's on the Sabbath day, and something you'll find in the life and the ministry of Jesus, every Sabbath, guess where he goes? He goes to the synagogue. Now, what would happen as they went into the synagogue, they would have an order of service. Just like this morning, we have an order of service that, for the most part, we're going to follow. Um, they would begin by a time of thanksgiving, uh, a blessing that would be spoken out, and they would then quote uh, the Shema, which says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with thy, all thy soul and with all thy might, quoting uh, the uh, part of the Torah from Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Then they would begin, they would continue by a prayer of response. And, and the, 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 when they were done with the prayer, the congregation together would say amen. And then they would begin to read the Pentateuch um, in Hebrew followed by translation in Aramaic. So they had a process that they would go through in the synagogue. Then they would begin to read the scripture and read passages by the prophets. Every time they would work through this prophet, th this process. And then after they would read the prophets, a man would stand up and he would either give an exposition or an exhortation of what they had just read followed by a benediction at the end of the service by a priest. And if there was no priest there, it would basically be a prayer by one of the other men. So they're going through this process. And as Jesus comes in, notice what ends up happening verse number 17. He goes into the synagogue, and he's, he's here on the Sabbath day. Look at verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book, which we understand this is not, and I'm not trying to, this would have been a scroll. There's not a book yet at this time. So they hand to him a scroll with the prophet Isaiah. And when they had opened the book or the scroll, he found the place where it is written. So picture Jesus. He's in the synagogue. They hand him this scroll. He unrolls that scroll to the prophet Isaiah. And look, look what, it, what it says here. Look at verse 17. They give him the book, verse 18. He finds this prophetic point in Isaiah. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
Because he hath appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering the sight of the blind, to set liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It's interesting as Jesus is here in the synagogue, as he's looking at this scroll, guess what he's doing? He's teaching the word. I've heard people uh, say, because we're, you know, you, we're big about expository preaching. We believe, I'm, I believe that by uh, conviction this morning that we ought to go through the text. It ought to be, ver- I just believe that. That's just me personally. And I, every once in a while I hear somebody say, well, show me where Jesus did it. Well, here's the, here's the first time that he's teaching in the synagogue. And guess what he does? He rolls open the scroll and he begins to teach the word of God. And he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Guess who the anointed one is? Man, it's the Messiah. I mean, he's the one that is truly anointed. The word anoint simply means to rub or sprinkle on, apply ointment or oily liquid to. Persons in the Old Testament were often literally anointed with oil. For example, the priest were anointed for their special service to the Lord in in Exodus chapter number 28. Literally, oil was applied as a sign of the Holy Spirit upon their life and on their service. The oil on the head was the outward representation of the real spiritual work going on in side of them. So Jesus is the anointed one. He begins to lay out and he's really the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah chapter number 62 to preach the gospel to the poor. Men to preach, to, to heal, and to preach to the brokenhearted. Men to bring deliverance to the captives, to bring sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice what he does next. Look at verse number 20. And he closed the book, or maybe say it this way because they didn't have books then. He rolled up the scroll, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue, they were fastened upon him. So he finishes this, he sits down, and they're all staring at him. Man, they are looking at him. They they are literally watching him. Look at verse number 21. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled. You know what he's telling them there? He says, hey, this scripture is talking about me. I am the Messiah. I'm the one that Isaiah and the prophets wrote about. And look what they do. Verse 22. And all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So, man, they heard him. And they're like, man, these are gracious words. But then notice what they say here. Is this not Joseph's? son. So he's in his hometown. Man, they knew Joseph. They knew his family. Man, they knew, man, is this Jesus? This is Jesus, the son of Joseph. And notice what what happens here in verse 23. And he said unto them, ye will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever you have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in this country. So they see Jesus, they identify him as Joseph's son. They, they, no doubt, and we, didn't, we don't see it in the recording of Luke, but in the other Gospels, he's already been healing at Capernaum, and they had heard about it. So they're saying this, hey, we've heard you healing in Capernaum. Go ahead and do that here, okay? They implore him to say, hey, we want to see, see your miracles. We want to see you do something here. Look at verse number 24, and he said, verily I say unto you, and we're going to see this, no prophet is accepted in his own town. So he's saying this, 
Man, no prophets accepted in the town that he grew up in or in his hometown. Now look at verse number 25. So what he begins to do here, he goes, to, he, he goes back to the scriptures again. He goes to First and Second Kings. He gives two illustrations. He gives one about, you remember the story of the widow in, in, with Elijah. He gives that illustration. And then he gives an illustration of Naaman the leper. He goes back to the scriptures. He gives, uh, a, 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 he gives examples out of the word of God. Now look at verse number 28. The tune begins to change very quickly. Man, at first they want to hear what he says. Man, at first they want to see his healing. At first they want to, man, they're astonished. And it says they all glorified him. But look what happens immediately. The honeymoon is over quickly. Man, they're cheering them on. Hey, this is what happens to a lot of church members, by the way. They get to new church and things are different. And they get excited and then the honeymoon's over. Man, this is what happens in marriages sometimes. Somebody help me this morning. Man, the tune changes very quickly. They go from, uh, they go from, listen, blessing him and being excited and listening to him. Look at the word of God. Look at verse 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these sayings, after he gives these illustrations, after he's identified himself as the Messiah, they were what? They are filled with wrath. These religious people, these ones in the synagogue, they are filled with wrath. They are anger. Man, this bitterness is stirring up inside of them. Look at verse number 29. Look what they do. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. They go from glorifying him to running him out of town. And led him to the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't fight back, does he? He doesn't even try to defend himself. What's he do? Man, he leaves town. And verse 31, and he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee. And what's he do? He teaches them on the Sabbath day. He continues his mission. Man, what a text as he begins his ministry here. He comes back to his hometown. He begins to tell them, hey, I'm that fulfilled prophecy. I'm the one that you heard about. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I love that in this text, and this is what we're going to look at, because this will kind of be something that threads all through Jesus' ministry. He gives that mission statement. Jesus gives his purpose that's here on earth. And listen, the things that he gives in this passage are things that are relevant and apply to us as far as his love for us and what he does in our lives. Aren't you thankful for that Jesus ministers to us? Man, isn't, when you think about Jesus, think about this. Isn't he so gracious and so loving and so kind to us? And when you start thinking about his ministry to us, it's awesome to think about. And he lays it out here. Isaiah the prophet laid it about out. And now Jesus lays it out here in the synagogue before they run him out of town. I want you to notice just a couple things from our text this morning about the ministry of Jesus, what his mission statement is, why he came, what he's here for. Because just like in our text, the religious can get it backwards. They got it backwards then, and guess what happens to the religious in our day? They get it backwards. Man, religion and Jesus becomes about a whole lot of things that it wasn't originally intended to be about. He had a reason and he had a purpose. The first thing that I love in this text, if you want to write it down this morning, is this. His mission statement, to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the gospel to the poor. 
the poor. To bring good news to the poor. The Messiah brings good news to the poor. Now, the word poor here is derived from a verb that simply means this. And this is important. When you first see that, you're just thinking, yeah, we need to go preach the gospel to the homeless people. And yes, that's a good thing. But let me tell you, the text specifically is talking about this. It means to cringe, to cower, to shrink back. It conveys the idea of a beggar cringing in the shadows, covering, listen, cowering from shame. And that's what this idea is here. And isn't this awesome to think about? You know, that's what our sin has done to us. Man, we cower in shame. Man, we're beggars. And here's the thing. Jesus says, listen, that may be you this morning. You may feel like you're that poor one. You may be cowering in shame this morning. But he has come to preach some good news to you. And aren't you thankful for that good news this morning? Man, aren't you thankful as you're in that corner like that beggar? And by the way, you know that's what we all were before he walked by our way one day. We were all beggars. And, you know, I just picture us as those beggars begging for just a little piece of bread. Aren't you thankful that somebody came by your way at some point that may have been led by the Holy Spirit of God and he ordained uh, before the foundations of the world for that moment in your life where the Word of God and the Spirit of God, listen, they collided in your life and where you were a beggar and you were hungry. Aren't you thankful this morning he did? didn't leave you there. Man, there's some good news that comes to us. I love as the psalmist said it in Psalm 40 verse number 2, David talking about this idea. He brought me also up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. You remember when you were in that pit of despair and that pit of destruction? Can I just say this? You can't get yourself out of it. We can't be good enough to get out of that pit. We can't be good enough to get off that street. We can't be good enough to work. You can't work yourself out of it. Listen, you can't make it on your own. Man, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that sees us as beggars. And this is awesome. And he says this, I'm not going to leave you there. Listen, you don't have to cower in your shame. You don't have to sit there. You don't, maybe put it this way. You don't have to stay in your sin. He says, I love you. He says, he looks down at that poor man, and that was us, and he hands us the bread of the gospel says, hey, you can eat of this bread and you'll never hunger again. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? His mission, first of all, was to bring, listen, it bring the good news and preach the gospel to the poor. By the way, shouldn't that be what we've do, we're doing? Listen, as God brings people in our lives, as we cross paths with folks, you know one of the greatest things that you and I can do is just share the fact that Jesus loves them, and he cares about them, he wants to, listen, he wants to fill that hungry soul. Man, he wants to take them out of the pit of the mire and clay, and he wants to set their feet upon a rock and establish their goings. Man, that was the mission of Jesus. That should be part of our mission this morning. And I just want to challenge you in this. When's the last time you just shared the gospel with someone? Hey, when's the last time you just told someone, listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants to save you. You know, I find myself so often complaining about all the wrongs in this world. Is anybody else like that? Like, I hate all the stuff I see. Man, I hate all the, you know, all that we're just living in some crazy times. And, man, I, but here, I just, we must be reminded, I was, I was reminded as I was studying this, this week, is listen, the answer for all of this world's problems is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Those people that you work with, I used to get frustrated because, man, you'd work with somebody and, man, the language that they may use and maybe the things they would talk about. And so often we'd want to fix that stuff, Right? Like, you shouldn't, we'd say things like, oh, I'm not going to, they shouldn't be going to those places. We can't expect people that don't know Jesus to live like they do know him. 
Is everybody tracking me on that? You can make somebody moral and fit in some little box, and they're still going to spend eternity in hell. And what we've done as Christians so often, we want everybody to fit in this little, you know, right-wing political box. And if they look right and they do all these things, then they're okay. No, they're not. You can fix all those things, but if that person's never met Jesus, guess what? It's all in vain and it's all worthless. That's what we must be careful with as the people of God. We must be careful of people that find all, check off all the moral boxes, but we don't have a relationship with Jesus. We've never been redeemed by him. Morality will send as many people to hell as immorality will. Mm, we don't like that this morning. Because it's only the grace and love and mercy. Understand, guess who persecuted Jesus his entire ministry? Church people. People that had the Torah memorized. People that followed all the laws. People that had all their I's dotted and their T's crossed. May we never forget that every single one of us before Jesus came by our way, we were all beggars begging for bread. He preaches his first mission statement. First point, man, preach the gospel to the poor. Notice the second one. I love this. Heal the brokenhearted. Man, he came to feed the poor. He came to heal the broken heart. Sin not only makes the, beggar, uh, makes the beggar hungry, but sin can break the heart. And aren't you thankful this morning that even in that brokenness, Jesus can heal it. The good news heals it. I'm, I love that song we sing, that there's a place where sin and shame are powerless. Listen, you may have a broken heart because you feel guilty this morning. Jesus can heal that broken heart that is inside of you. The psalmist wrote this, who knew something about this. He healeth the broken in heart, and he binds up their wounds. You know, sin can break our hearts. You know, I was thinking about this. Not only can self-inflicted heartbreak happen, but sometimes just disappointments in life can break your heart. Maybe uh, think of, uh, you know, going through a moment of death with a family member. And I've wept beside a casket before. I have. I mean, I, I stood in that line. We stood in that line for three hours as people came by and hugged on us and shook our hands as I was getting ready to preach Daddy's funeral. I mean, you have a broken heart in those moments. I mean, I, I've been in those moments with, uh, you know, uh, just two years ago with a young couple in our church whose baby was born and only lived a few days, and you stand by and you have a broken heart in those moments. I mean, I stood yesterday uh, by in a, in a hospital room with a dear family yesterday evening as they're watching their mother and their grandmother Passed from this life to next, brokenhearted in that room at that moment. Stood there, wept with them. And I was reminded as looking at this service, I'm thankful. Thankful this morning. That all of us, when we come to those moments in our lives when we have a broken heart, aren't you thankful that Jesus loves us enough? That part of his purpose wasn't just to save us. All it was to heal those broken hearts that happened in this life. Man, don't you wish that in the Christian life everything was just good all the time? I do. Don't you wish, y'all, that there was no disappointments? Man, don't you wish that there was no sickness? Don't you wish that there was never anybody that let you down, broken heart? Man, when we go through those moments, I just want to encourage you with this. Part of his ministry to us is not only to save us, but it's to help us when we're brokenhearted, when we feel like we can't go on, when we're weeping, when we're crying. Listen, part of his ministry to you, part of his ministry to me is for the Holy Spirit to wrap his loving arms around us and comfort us in those moments of turmoil, in those moments of trial. Listen, he came to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He came to heal the brokenhearted. And can I just say, maybe you're here this morning and you have a broken heart. Man, he wants to heal that. He can, listen, he can heal that heart this morning. You've got to give it to him. Man, you've got to ask him. Man, God, I, my heart is broken. Lord, can you help me? Can you heal it? I've tried to heal my own broken heart before. Can I just be honest with you? I can't. Man, many of us will try to escape some way for our hearts to be healed. That escape, whatever it is, isn't going to heal it. The only thing that can heal your broken heart this morning is his love, his grace, and his mercy. He came to heal the broken heart. And then I love this one. He came to give freedom to the captives. <laughs> he came, listen, he came to preach the gospel. He came to heal the broken heart. And he came to give freedom to the captives. This carries the idea here of either being in prison or being in jail or being in change. Listen, he allows and helps the captives go free. I just want to remind you this morning, he's the one that can break the chains in your life. Don't you wish that as you follow Jesus and after you got saved, don't you wish not only did you don't have to deal with broken hearts, but don't you wish you didn't have to deal with your own sin anymore? Don't you wish that, man, that you don't have to deal with it? Like the guilt of it? Has anybody else ever felt guilty when you wake up in the morning? Anybody else ever said something? Maybe a little while later, felt a little guilty about it. Anybody else ever done something that may haunt you a little bit? may live in your head a little bit, and you feel that thing called shame. Shame's hard to deal with sometimes, isn't it? Personal guilt, personal shame. Many times if we're not careful, that personal guilt and that personal shame, guess what it can do in our lives? It can hold us captive. Man, it can keep us from reaching our full potential. Man, it can keep us in that jail cell of guilt or that jail cell of shame. It can keep us in those chains. Listen, part of Jesus' ministry in your life and in my life is, yes, to feed the poor and, yes, to heal the brokenhearted, but it's to break the chains. Listen, to break the chains of shame and sin in your life. And I, just, I say it often, but I just want to remind you this morning, if we're not careful, he's, we've already confessed it and he's already forgiven us of it, but if we're not careful, we're going to still live back there in that dark place, in that place that we want to let go, and those chains still bind us. And I, I've said this before, and I just want to say it again this morning, stop paying for sin that God has already paid for in your life. Don't cheapen the work that was done on the cross. When I choose to live in my guilt and my shame, what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying to myself? And this is hard. I'm saying your blood wasn't big enough. It wasn't good enough. That imputed righteousness wasn't enough. I just want to remind you this morning, it is enough. He paid for, y'all. does anybody believe that this morning? He paid for it all. Hey, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe this morning. Stop living in your past. Don't let your past define you. Don't let your past be your identity. If you are in Jesus and he is in you, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are not what your past says you are. You are not what others say you are. You are what he says you are. You are beloved. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are a your heir this morning. Listen, when God looks at you, he 
doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see what you used to be. He sees the Son of God, the spotless Lamb, the one who was slain before the foundations of the world. When he sees you, he sees perfect. He sees redeemed. Somebody better help me preach this morning. Listen, that's what he sees when he sees you this morning. And instead of living in light of our past, hey, we've got to come over here and live in light of who God has made us to be. And guess, when we do that, there's freedom, there's victory. Some of us this morning, maybe we need to do something like this. Maybe we need to say, Lord, I need you to break those chains of my past. Because I, even though God's let go of them, <laughs> guess what? I'm still holding on to them. Lord, I need you to cut I need you to cut it. I need you to let it go. God, I need you to help me have the strength and the power to move on. Because listen, in him there's no condemnation this morning for those that are in Christ Jesus. He's not beating you up. Guess who beat you up? You do. Others do. <laughs> Man, we've got to get past that. He is here to give us freedom, to free the captives. You're sitting in that jail cell this morning. You're sitting in those chains this morning. I just proposed to you that Jesus is standing right there with the key this morning. He wants to walk over. He wants to unlock those chains. He wants to unlock those jail cells. All you got to do is say, hey, I'm right here. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's get past it. Let's get past our past. Man, let's allow him to do what he wants us to do in our lives. Man, let's allow him to work like only he can. And here's the deal. You can't do it on your own. But that's why he's given us the Holy Spirit of God. That's why he's given us the Word of God. Man, to help us through that. Man, his ministry is to feed the poor. His ministry, listen, is, is I love it, to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the broken heart, to give freedom to the captives. Psalmist said in Psalm 107, He hath brought them out of darkness, the shadow of death, and he break their bands in Sunder. Listen, he's already broken them. Man, he's already given you freedom. You know what we have to do? We have to accept it. We have to receive it. And we have to walk in it this morning. Man, the ball is in our court to give freedom to the captain. And I love this one. Notice what else he says in that, that, that prophetic passage. Not only does he preach the gospel to the poor. And aren't you thankful that when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't look at us how we look at people. He doesn't see the demographics. He doesn't know what side of the track. He don't care what side of the tracks we were on. He doesn't, listen, he doesn't, he is no respecter of persons this morning. I'm thankful that he can save the richest of rich and the poorest of poor this morning. I'm thankful that the gospel doesn't have any racial bounds this morning. Man, I'm thankful this morning that the gospel, listen, it doesn't matter how bad you were in the past. I believe God can save the sickest thing you can think of in your mind. Or he can't save it all this morning. Y'all better help me on that one. It's almost like you didn't believe it. That person that's rotten in prison for the worst thing we could think of this morning can be saved by the grace of God just like you and I can. That's hard for us. But aren't you thankful that his grace is that way? Aren't you thankful that his mercy is that way this morning? You see, he's not like us. Man, he's holy. He's perfect. His love isn't like our earthly love. Oh, man, it's, it's awesome when you think about that. Preach the gospel to the poor. He heals those broken hearts. Man, I've had times in my life where I'm so thankful. Honestly, where my heart was just broken. Man, and he came and, man, he just helped me through it. Man, there's been times, and I want to encourage you this. Maybe you're here this morning with a broken heart. Somebody's done something to you. Maybe, maybe you have, sometimes our children can break our hearts. Some of your parents have been through things like that. Spouse can break. Can I just tell you this? Whatever's breaking your heart, give to him. He is the great mender of broken hearts this morning. 
breaks those hearts, heals those broken hearts. Then he gives freedom. Maybe you're here and you need freedom this morning. Freedom from your past. Freedom from that thing that's haunting you in your head. Man, maybe you need to give that to him this morning. I love this last one. Not only does he do all that, but he makes the blind to see, both physically and spiritually. The psalmist knew a lot about all these, didn't he? David, let me read one thing he wrote. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. Listen, aren't you thankful for that day when you were blind and you couldn't see? That when you weren't looking for him, as Paul was walking, people, sometimes we miss this. Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. Was he? When he was walking that Damascus Road, was Paul like, oh, my life's a mess and I need help? No. He was no, he wasn't. What was God doing? God was looking for Paul when Paul wasn't looking for God. Can I just tell you this this morning? I know some Baptists don't like this this morning. But listen, when you weren't looking for God, I got some news for you. He was looking for you. You may be here this morning. You say, he ain't looking for me. You may not know him this morning. The reason you're here today is because somebody drug you here. You didn't want to be here, but you're here. God's looking for you this morning, maybe for salvation. If you've never trusted Him as your Savior, He's looking for you right now, and He wants to save your soul. Maybe you're here this morning, and you are living in those chains that we've talked about, and you're not looking for Him to break those chains. He has you here this morning because He wants to break them. And I just say this, don't leave this morning without breaking them. You say, I don't have the strength. That's good. He does this morning. Maybe you're here, Mom, with a broken heart, and you've prayed. You've cried till you can't cry anymore. And you don't understand why God hasn't answered that prayer. Listen, he will answer it in his time. But maybe in the meantime, you just need to pray, God, please heal this broken heart. I trust you. I know you're in control. I know when you're ready, you can make the difference. That's all I'm saying this morning is you are here for this appointed time. And listen, he wants to feed the poor this morning. He wants to break the chains this morning. He wants to open your eyes this morning. If you've never allowed him to do that, maybe you've been resisting. Maybe you've been pushing back. Maybe you've sat in services like this your entire life and you've just gone through the motions. Can I just say today, let's let God do a supernatural work in our hearts and our minds this morning. If you've never trusted him, don't leave here today without getting that nailed down. If those chains in your life are holding you back, maybe something as simple. And I know you won't find an altar like this in the Bible. I'm not foolish enough to try to say that you would. But sometimes it's good for us at the altar of our seat or the altar, man, to give those to Him. Maybe it's that chain of unforgiveness towards yourself or someone else this morning. Listen, He can break it. He can set you free this morning. Listen, He can give you victory. That area that you think isn't possible to have victory in. (laughs) He can give you victory in it today. Hey, that addiction you think you could never get over. I'm here to just tell you, you can through His power and through His grace. As Matt sings, let's stand on our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need a place to pray, the altar's open this morning.